Kansas City fooled some of us. I'm raising my hand right now. Uh, while San Francisco dominated the second half, out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports end by Josh Alper of Pro Football Talk. Josh, good to have you back, and let, let's start with the Chiefs. Was there any point this season that you thought the Chiefs are not going back to the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, there, there, there were definitely points in the middle of the season where it, it felt like it was going to be a a really long shot for the, the Chiefs to get back there. Uh, I, I think that the, the way the Ravens were playing, the way the Bills came on at the end of the year, it, it felt like the, the the idea of beating both of those teams on the road in the playoffs would be would be a bit too much to ask. But I, I think really by by the end of that opening playoff game against Miami, it, it felt like a very familiar Chiefs team, and um, the you know the last two weeks have just been more of the same, and and I think you know ha- have reached a new level with Patrick Mahomes where I, I, I'm going to find it very hard to pick anyone to beat him in a playoff game at, at any point in the future. Um, with you on that, uh, you know, other than Mahomes, what has been most impressive the last two weeks with the wins at Buffalo and at Baltimore? Uh, I, you know, outside of Mahomes, I, I think it's been, you know, the same thing all, all all season, it's it's been this defense that's that's kept them alive, and and they've been so overshadowed over over this run. I think because of Mahomes and Kelsey, and and before he left, Tyreek Hill, and and those players. That I, I think that you know it, it it's been missed that you know Chris Jones is a really special player, and and Steve Spagnolo is not a guy who's ever going to come up for the head coaching jobs again after he, he was such a disaster with the Rams, but it, it's almost a benefit to the chiefs that it went so poorly for him because he, he just gets to sit there and coach that defense and, and Andy Reed coaches the offense. And it, it's, it's an absolutely perfect marriage of, of philosophies and, and output and, and everything else. I, I think that, um, you know, Steve Spagnolo, I, I would imagine this, this little two-week period, he's going to be—he's going to be one of the names that keeps coming up for the Chiefs because he—he he deserves this victory left. Specifically, their defense—it's been spectacular in the second half, really all season long. Why are they so dominant after halftime? I think they—they make—they make the right adjustments. They—if something isn't going right, they're not afraid to to do something different and. I think that's something that comes from Andy Reid. He's not someone who is married to his way of doing things. He's married to the way of doing things that, that gets the job done. And, and if that means going to, you know, going to a different look, you know, blitzing more, blitzing less. I, I think you saw it last night that, you know, that, that they didn't, weren't going to allow the Ravens to, to run the ball on them in the second half. And, you know, I, I think you could probably argue that the Ravens should have done more to try and, and force them out of that shell, but the the kind of blitzing they were doing, the kind of rushing that they were doing against the Ravens was, was so effective. And, you know, even when it broke down, you know, on that long pass to Zay Flowers that, that should have, you know, felt like it was going to start to swing the tide to the Ravens, they they stuck with it and, and – those guys came back and bounced back with a, another big play a few plays later. And so I, th- I think that's been the way it is. That's been all season is they get beaten, but they know it, it doesn't end the game. They, they have another chance. They have another shot. 
you, you, you always have another opportunity. And, and, you know, what better way to exemplify that than Marquez Valdez-Cantling making the biggest catch of the game for the team in, in the fourth quarter yeah. given the season that he's had? The Ravens, uh, their performance or lack thereof, why did they fall short on both sides of the ball yesterday? Well, I, I, you know, I think shutting out the Chiefs in the second half of the AFC Championship game, it's, it's, it's a hard one to say that that, the, that was a failing on the defensive side. But it, in both yeah. sides, I, I thought the penalties were killers, uh, five personal fouls, and, and then obviously three turnovers on offense. And I, I think that one throw by Lamar Jackson the, the, that was intercepted in the end zone it was, was – such an uncharacteristically poor play for him this season to try to force a ball into coverage like that. Three, three chiefs around Isaiah likely in the end zone. I, I, you know, that's not the kind of play we've been accustomed to seeing from him. And, and I think, you know, it, it feels like the tight, you know, the, the tightness of the game, the, the magnitude of the moment and in that fourth quarter, um, opportunity after opportunity that, that the Ravens squandered, two two turnovers right by the end zone like that. It, it it's impossible to come up you know, come back from those kinds of things. But I, I think sloppiness would I guess be the overarching headline for me, the the penalties and the turnovers. Are there personnel decisions that the Ravens uh, should make this offseason or should they just try to run it back with this same group, basically? Oh, I, I would, I would, you know, you always want to add, I, I think they could, they, they could certainly use, uh, could have used a, a more impactful second receiver to go with, with Zay Flowers last night. Um, obviously getting Mark Andrews back to health takes care of some of that for them. Um, I, I think that they need to probably find a running back that that is more of a lead back, and 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 rather than continue with the mixing and matching with with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, and and you know they they brought in Dalvin Cook late in the season. We we saw Melvin Gordon, obviously J.K. Dobbins getting hurt, change their plans there. But that that would be a spot where y- you would love to see. Not that there's they're growing Christian McCaffrey's on trees, but you you would love to see a running back who could be utilized in a similar way by the Baltimore offense, and and, and see that kind what kind of impact someone like that could have uh, playing with Lamar Jackson and and you know branching out the 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 possibilities in the run game. I I think those are the spots. Uh, and, uh, you know, but defensively, I think you run it back and, and, you know, offensively, you just look to continue adding and, and have another year in this system. It, it really did work well for them. So I, I don't think there's too much reason to hit a panic button. Josh Alper, pro football talk currently in the sports zone. All right. The lions blew the 17 point lead. They went from up 24, seven to down 34, 24, well, you know, where do you start when trying to you know, basically break down the breakdown of the Lions in the second half? Well, look, the, some of the, the issues they had defensively are, are issues that they've had throughout the season, and, and they were good enough offensively to overcome them. And it, it felt like that was going to be the case uh, for, you know, for a good bit of, of the second half. But I, I think that – you know that the the back-to-back failure on fourth down, and then the fumble by Jameer Gibbs just felt like 
the bottom completely fell out of the team at that point. And, uh, yeah, you know, in, in, until they, they got that late touchdown, um, there really wasn't much going on for them on either side of the ball. And, and you know, perhaps had gotten a little it, – it, it's, it's, it's funny to say it when they – you know, failed on a couple of fourth downs in, in 49ers territory, but it, it felt like they got a little bit hesitant um, even as they, you know, they remained outwardly aggressive. Uh, I, I didn't have a huge issue with the second fourth down call, but I, I, I found it odd that, that the Lions didn't go for the touchdown at the end of the first half and then yeah. opted not to kick the field goal on that, that first fourth down at the start of the fourth quarter. I, I thought that was a – a strange bit of decision-making um, by Dan Campbell. I, I would have done the same thing, e- either go for it every time or, or kick both field goals. And, and I think that, you know, some of the decision-making needs to go, go under the microscope there. I think you have to get a kicker that you trust more. If, if you're, if you're going to have a 46-yard field goal to go up 17 in the NFC championship game, I, I think you need to have a guy that you feel like, is going to hit that, and, and I don't think they felt that way. So that, that's certainly an area they could address. On the other side, Brock Purdy, game manager, quote-unquote, uh, with the impromptu scrambles and soft-schedule throws, does that game manager thing vanish now? Yeah, I, well, I, I don't think it, it vanishes entirely. I, I think it's something that, that gets used a bit more pejoratively than it really should be. Um, a lot of quarterbacks manage games and and manage teams into the into the playoff, you know, into into great success. We've seen Patrick Mahomes manage games for the Chiefs in the playoffs over the the course of this run. It, it you have to do what it takes on a on a weekly basis to win. And as as much as the first halves of the last two playoff games felt like, well, Brock Purdy's not good enough to do this. The, the second half, I, I think. You've seen both weeks that, that he's a guy who's instinctual and makes plays and, and understands what he's supposed to do at a given time. And that, you know, I, I think that however you want to label that is up to you. But it's the winning part that, that matters in the end. And I don't know that even a Super Bowl win will completely take that away. I think that it's, it's been something that, that's, you know, been linked to Kyle Shanahan his entire time in the, the 49ers. And it's, it's all – frame through that prism but you know you, you you have someone who designs the thing and someone has to execute it and, and Purdy's execution has been pretty good all season and I, I think that the idea of, of limiting him by calling him a manager is silly but I, I don't feel that it's such a limiting term if you really look at what it means. Talking with Josh Alper from Pro Football Talk so it's San Francisco and Kansas City hype for the next two weeks. Uh, quite frankly, it's too early for me to clear my feeble brain to break down the X's and O's. So, Josh, let me ask you this. What are some storylines that you'll be paying most attention to between now and kickoff in the uh, second Sunday in February? Well, I, I think that, you, you know, you're just going to continue to look at, at, at what, what the 49ers – for me, have to do defensively after these last two weeks here that, you know, you're going in into a game against Andy Reid and you've shown some serious uh, vulnerabilities defensively. And the, these are things that the, the Chiefs are going to be able to attack if given the opportunity. And, and I think particularly 
some things in the pass defense and, and, and the run defense are, are, <laughs> it covers both, but you know, I think that the ability to stop Isaiah Pacheco and, and put as much pressure as he possibly can on this chiefs receiving core is going to be a key for, for the 49ers and, and trying to understand how they're going to do that and, and how they're going to avoid being picked apart again by, by even if it's just in the first half of the game that you're now facing a team, unlike the Packers with, with Jordan Love in his first playoff game, unlike the Lions in their first playoff appearance in, in ages, this is a team that is used to this. This is a team that has come back and, and won games in, in, in two Super Bowls. They beat you in a Super Bowl by coming back in the fourth quarter. Um, I, I think that the 49ers defense, which, which looked so good for so much of the season, has not looked good for a while now. And, and I think that that's going to be the key for the game for the 49ers is figuring out a way to get that back on track. Last topic, uh, the coaching carousels down to two openings. Still no Belichick, Carroll, and Vrabel. Uh, are you surprised that that trio is still out there after six jobs have now been filled? Uh, I'm, I'm surprised that, that Mike Rabel is, isn't. I, I would have expected someone to see him as sort of where Bill Belichick was before he became the Patriots head coach. And a guy with head coaching experience, defense, you know, obviously defensive coordinator experience, uh, who, given the chance to do a job the second time, would not perhaps make some of the mistakes like trading A.J. Brown and, and – uh, not being more aggressive about getting a quarterback and, and doing some of the things differently the second time around with a, a very motivated front office. Um, I, I'm surprised by that one. I, I was always surprised by the belief that Belichick was just going to waltz into another job, be it his age, his personality, his, his demeanor, his, and, but really his, his lack of success for the last four seasons. Um, what was the biggest reason for me? I, you, you can chalk it up to Bill Belichick not being a great GM all you want, but the idea that he was just going to walk in and, and be willing to, to be a coach and, and not have the kind of control over an organization that he's had in the past was, I, I think, a silly one. And Pete Carroll, I think once the Chargers job got linked to John, uh, Jim Harbaugh, there was no, no real place that made sense in terms of, of Pete Carroll. So, I mean, I, I'm surprised that the Seahawks have not interviewed Belichick or Pete Carroll just because I think they're a team uh, – excuse me, not Pete Carroll, Belichick or Vrabel because they're a team that was in the playoffs last year and was close this year, and I don't think they see that as a big teardown rebuild. But when you have a general manager in place, it, it becomes a very different search. And, and so – I think that they all are going to remain out of it for this year and, and be interesting candidates next year, certainly in the case of Rabel, given some of the teams that look like they're going to be looking for coaches. So Seattle and Washington are the two jobs that are still open. Do those openings go to Mike McDonald and Ben Johnson one way or the other? Uh, ben Johnson to the commanders is, is, the, is certainly the money choice right now. And I think that Seattle, yeah, you're looking at either Mike McDonald or Dan Quinn. Uh, I think that Mike McDonald, if you're going to look at their most recent you know, job, you know, their most recent uh, work, McDonald is way ahead of Quinn. Um, but Quinn has a history there and, and uh, has a history with the GM, John Schneider. And, and I think 
that, you know, that is going to be something of, of meaning as the Seahawks come to make their choice. Josh, this has been great at all. As always, we appreciate it. Thanks much. All right. Have a good one. You too. Josh Alper, Pro Football Talk. Excellent stuff.